I am not an innocent, not bystander. An innocent bystander. I am a threat, am a threat, to, my threat enemy. to my enemy. I am powerful I am and cunning. Powerful. I am strategic, I am strategic and, bold. and bold. I will not sit idly by. I will take ground. I will advance. I will tear through my enemy. And my enemy will hate me. I will not avoid the difficult fight. I will fight. I will be wounded. I will be targeted and I will bleed. I will not tire. My wounds will be healed. I will see tragedy. I will feel pain. But I will be restored. My feet will not stumble. My hands will hold fast. I will not be intimidated. Chapter 10 page, one, two, three, that's right, it's time to go. Start the show, Tom. And we're looking at evidences for the Christian faith. That's right, EFCF, whatever that is. And, uh, but anyway, as we saw, if you were here last time, we didn't get too far, much uh, further than uh, the opening story of this guy basically having an encounter of him trying uh, to share his faith, okay? Now, to set the context there of how to share our faith and why we need to do that, it's not an option. It's not just for those who have studied the Bible for 9,000 years, right, Tom? That's right. Give it up for Tom. That skin emollient's working awesome. You don't look a day over 3,000, but that's right. Uh, but uh, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Once again, let's take a look at why in the world is it important to study apologetics? which is what it is. It doesn't mean that you apologize for being a Christian. You give a logical defense as to why you're a Christian above anything else on the planet, dare I say. First uh, Peter chapter three is our text. If you find third Peter, what do you do? Chuck it out, right? That's not in there. First Peter chapter three, that's right. Uh, verse 15, let's take a look. And uh, let's take a look at what he would share uh, with you and I, okay? And first uh, Peter chapter three, Verse 15, all right? And uh, let's grab the context there in verse 13. Let's what he said. He says this, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Okay? He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, what? You mean to tell me, especially if we live for Jesus, you're going to pay a price for it? Man, I've said this many times and I've learned this in 20 years now, being a Christian, praise God. Anytime you want to do something truly significant for Christ, you're going to pay a significant price. That rhymes, you can preach it, you can do whatever you want with it. But that's what I've learned. You're going to suffer, okay? Because this world hates the truth, okay? And uh, so, uh, but it's an honor to suffer for Jesus, okay? He says, and that's what he says, hey, you're blessed. You're not tortured, right? You're blessed. What, what, a, what a privilege it is to suffer for Jesus, to share the truth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the master of the universe, and to suffer for it. That's an honor. That's a privilege, okay? He says, you're blessed. He says, hey, don't fear what they fear. <laughs> don't be frightened, Okay? But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Who's the one that's in control? Even when we suffer, 
even when people persecute us, even when people mock and make fun of us for sharing the truth. Jesus Christ, he's Lord. It's curios in the Greek that's used there. He is the Lord. He is, here's a good, man, kind of getting a little sidetracked, but let's go with it. Uh, curios literally means, here's a good term. We don't like this scene today because we're like, we're so independent. It's, you know, don't you tell me what to do. You know, the rebellious streak. Master is what that is. Did you know that? You know, when you become a Christian, really what you're saying when I'm a follower of Christ, a Christian, did you know what, you, what you're saying is Jesus Christ is not just my Lord. That's a Christianese phrase, right? It's not some British guy who oversees all. <laughs> okay, master. He is your master. Remember that exciting, uh, very theologically profound show, I Dream of Genie? Remember that? Okay, for all of you back there. How many of you guys still don't even know who Brady Bunch is? I'm still shocked. I don't even, I, it's hard for me to fall asleep at night that I know that some of you out there don't even know who the Brady Bunch is. Uh, but anyway, but uh, remember what she would do and every time that Tony, the guy, whatever, would give her a desire, she would say, yes, master. And all the ladies said, that's awesome. That's what we need to do. <laughs> yes, and he's standing alone on the pulpit. Oh, you scared guys, you. But uh, that's right. But uh, that's what she would say. I mean, that was her. And of course, that's a jest. That's not real. But, but do you realize that that should be our attitude as a Christian? When we see Jesus is our Lord, is he Lord of your life? Not just say, is he Lord? Is that, is that our attitude? When he asks us to do something, anything, including share the gospel, including the context tonight, hey, would you give a defense for the hope that lies within you? Yes, master. Yes, Jesus. Yes, King of kings, Lord of lords. Yes, Blink your eyes, twiddle your nose, do whatever you got to do, whatever. Okay, yes, is that our attitude? Okay, even if it's suffering, it's still yes, master. He is our master. Set apart in your heart, Jesus is your master. Now, can I tell you something? I like the one guy mentioned this. You know, people say, you need to make the Lord Jesus, uh, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Excuse me? Nobody makes Jesus Lord. He is the Lord. Whether you want to make him that or not, he is the master of all creation in the whole universe, okay? And that's what he says. Hey, listen, you're suffering. Set apart Jesus, Lord. Yes, master, I'll do it for you, master. Anything you say, master. Even if I gotta take heat for this, yes, master. That's what we are as a Christian. And listen to what he says. He says, now, in the context of that, you might have to suffer for doing what is right, but Jesus Christ is the master, which also means that he's sovereign, okay? Uh, even in our difficulties, he is sovereign. Uh, even in our difficulties, he says, oh, by the way, I'm also gonna work that together for your good. Yes, master. You got it, master. I'll do it. I'll keep moving forward. Okay, nothing's going to deter me. And he says this, and this is the context there. He says, now always, now how often is that? Always, right? Now we know that we should always live a life that is pleasing to God, right? Hopefully, somebody say yes. And the preacher feels better tonight. Okay, uh, and we should always uh, share the gospel. Every opportunity we can get, right? We know that one, right? All right. Did you know that the Bible says, always be prepared? Be ready. I mean, you're armed to the teeth, to the hill. To what? Well, what's he say there? He says, always be prepared for what? To give an answer, okay? For the hope that you have, okay? Uh, are, are we always ready for that? I don't know about you guys, when I first got saved and, and I, I didn't believe in evolution, uh, even before I was a Christian, it's like, that's a, excuse me? I did not come from an ape, that's offensive, okay? And uh, then you look at the complexity of the stars growing up in the Midwest, out in the middle of nowhere. It's like, are you kidding me? That's not by chance. There's no way, right? And, uh, but man, when I became a Christian and then came across some apologetic defensive information 
to show scientifically, logically, philosophically, geographically, archaeologically that, oh, you, yes, that God is the one who made this earth. That was exciting. That was exciting to come across that information. It's exciting to be able to have this ammo to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. He says, always be prepared. You should always be gravitating towards that. Uh, you, sh you should have a plaque of Josh McDowell on your desk, every day, if you will. If you know, he's an apologist. Of course, I'm being in jest. Yeah, don't worship him. But he's a great apologist. Now, there are other guys like that. And, uh, but that's what he says. Always be ready to give a defense, uh, an answer to everyone. Okay, who, who? Everyone? Now, what's that imply? Everyone. That's right, Jim. You got that even without your hat on tonight. Uh, everyone. That means everybody. What about that guy that keeps asking the same question over and over again? What about the guy that says, hey, what about dinosaurs in the Bible? I skipped those. You need to go find out. There is an answer, you know. There's a great awesome answer. It'll blow your socks off how much we've been lied to. And it'll bless your socks off being equipped to give a defense. But listen, get prepared. Don't avoid those people. That's a great logical question. You need to get, take the initiative and get prepared to give an answer for that. Don't skip over it. And if we don't tell them the truth, who's going to tell them? History Channel? Because we all know that's always biblical. Right. Okay. If we don't get equipped always, as he says, now notice it's not an option. Always means always. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to give that answer for the hope that we have? Okay. And he says this, but I like this. We'll finish with this and, and move on. He says, now uh, do this with a big giant family Bible about six feet long and beat them over the head if they don't listen. I'm sorry, <laughs> wrong translation. That's right. Yeah. Uh, with gentleness and respect. Okay. You know, sometimes when you share with people, they're not going to like it. You just got to know when to pull the plug, I call it. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean you walk back in fear. Doesn't mean that you don't try to give an answer. But if you realize you're really getting nowhere after a while, I'm not saying if, you know, and he says, and well, here's the reason. Okay, I quit. I'm not saying you can't engage for a while. But at some time, wisdom should kick in and go like, you know what? It's just not profitable right now. It's not worth it. I need to just back down off of here. And we'll deal with something else, right? You know what I'm saying? You need to do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, is what he's talking about there. Now, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your, what, what kind of behavior? Good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Oh, you're, because have you ever noticed this? When you're, if you will, winning an argument, if you will, not that it should be an argument in a negative sense, but when you're given a defense for the hope that lies within you and you're just slowly, methodically taking them through logically about their need of a savior, etc. And have you ever lied? Have you ever stole? You know, and th you know, they have nothing to say. Then usually what they'll do is they resort to what's called character assassination. Well, you guys are a bunch of wackos. Well, I knew this guy one time, blah, blah, blah. You Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, blah, blah, blah. It's like, whoa, whoa, now you're getting malicious. You're slandering me, All right? He says, at that point, then you just really just, you attack them and beat them up. No, that's not what you do. It says your good behavior, not bad behavior. Okay, you don't lay hands on them. Not, that's not what it means, Robert. I, I know it's tempting, but that's not what, anyway. Uh, but uh, that's not what you do. It's your good behavior. So that even when they maliciously say stuff against you, even if they're, quote, losing the argument, and they resort to stuff like that, and make fun of you, and poke at you, and just call you names, and blah, 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 make a big scene, or do whatever, embarrass you, even in public, like with this story with this guy. Your good behavior, your consistent good behavior backs up what you say. See, that's the other side of the, the coin, right? Okay? And usually we, we, do, we, we, we do the wrong thing. We'll sit there and we'll say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't know how to give a defense for UFOs or dinosaurs or why we didn't come from evolution or any of that kind of apologetic stuff. But you know what? I'm just going to live a 
good life, a holy life as a Christian, and hopefully through osmosis, they can somehow figure out about Jesus. Okay, yes, you need to live a good holy life. Okay, but sometimes you need to speak up. You've got to use your mouth. Okay, you've got to speak up. Okay, but, but here's the balance, and this is what this text is saying. It needs to be both. Okay, you, you, you do need to give a defense. You do need to open up your mouth. But come on, when you open up your mouth, would you please not be a hypocrite? Would you please not be the nastiest person at the workplace or on the block or the person who's always griping and living? You know, I, that always which is, kills me, right? You ever sit across somebody that always whines and complains all the time? Right? You might be having a great day and they're just, oh, the company this or that or the boss or this or that. And you're having a great day. But if you're not careful, it's like a, it's like a slimy infection. What happens to you? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the way you it's just kind of, right? Well, here's the deal. Here we are on the one breath with our lips. We're sitting there going, oh, Jesus, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, if only you would get saved. He's great. He gives you the, the spirit of the God. He comes to dwell within you and his fruit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. It's awesome. What a great life. Yeah, you're right. I thought of that. Well, which one is it? When you live the Christian life, could you please focus, and this is what I think he's saying, Peter, could you do both? Don't just study and then live a horrible life. That's a bad commercial. Okay? You need to back it up with your life. And then, my goodness, I'm sorry, but some people do need their answers, uh, questions answered, right? You just can't just sit there, well, I just, I just don't, I don't drink, cuss, or chew, or hang around with those that do. Don't you want to be a Christian now? No, you got to have both. Okay, now, and this is actually what's kind of, I don't know what the intentions of the author was with this opening story, but it's kind of disturbing to me, okay? It, it leaves me with kind of a, a, a defeatist attitude, and that really needs to be dispelled, okay? Uh, because he kind of goes through this, like, it's just, oh, it's just, oh they're going to, oh, ah. can I tell you something? You know what the reason why oftentimes we're scared to share? That rhymes, Okay. Uh, is because we're not equipped. We're not doing what Peter said. Because we're scared they're going to ask the question, any question, right? Anything beyond just the basics. Now, if we would do what he says, always be prepared, do your homework. You mean I got to study even outside of Sunday? Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, and then uh, you need to be prepared. And when you get prepared, hey, bring it on. Let's roll. What do you want to talk about? Right? Takes a long time. But what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about UFOs? Let's go to town. Love that topic. I'm so glad you asked. I love it when people ask me, what about the guy on the desert island who never heard of Jesus, never had a copy of the Bible? You mean God's going to send that innocent man to hell? Uh, excuse me. Let's, I, thank you. Thank you. You made my day when you asked. I love that question because it's a straw man argument. First of all, there is no one innocent. Case closed. I can stop there. But Paul says, everybody is going to stand before God is going to have to give an account. There's no innocent person. There's plenty enough knowledge. Paul says in the light of creation, Romans chapter 1, through what he has made, everybody, there's without excuse. You know there is a God. You see, designing something, that implies a designer, number one. Number two, you got the light of conscience in you, Romans chapter 2. He talks about the Gentiles. They didn't have a copy of the Jewish Torah, the law. He says, but they're a law unto themselves. In, in, inherently, they know what's right and wrong. It, it, why is it that people on the planet know that it's wrong to steal, no matter what culture? Wrong to murder. Initially, you can get a hardened conscience later. Where'd that come from? From God, a universal lawgiver. Okay, is what he's talking about. And then so you, you could share, well, listen, that's a straw man argument. There's no one innocent. 
Okay, number two, you're judged on the light of creation and the light of conscience. You have no excuse to know that there's not a God and that you need to get right with him. Now let me tell you about Jesus, because now you're really in trouble. Because I'm going to tell you about Jesus and how he died on the cross for you. And the Bible says that that's the only way uh, that we can get to heaven is through him. He took the death penalty in your place. What are you going to do? Now you're accountable. Who cares about that guy on the desert island at the top of that mountain or wherever you want to place him? The question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Isn't that awesome? We should salivate. We, we should have a drippy cup under our chin every time someone, <laughs> let me try not to freak you out, but I'm really, I'm so excited that you asked that question. I just <laughs> Always, always be prepared to give a defense. We should just get equipped to that point. And again, this is what's a little bit disturbing with this, uh, with this guy here. It's just like he's, he's uh, uh, don't, uh, and just, it breaks my heart. That's not how we should be as Christians. I shared this before. Man, we got a lot to go. I shared this before, okay, and I'll share it again. Um, the three things that overtook the Roman culture, historians agree, was number one, the Christians. How, how did that happen? One was how they died. Amazing deaths, singing praises unto God as they were literally being burned alive, crucified, eaten alive by all kinds of horrible stuff, right? Number two is how much they loved each other. What? Yeah, how we love each other how we take care of each other, how we don't beat each other up. We love each other. We take care of you. What do you need? Anything you need? What? And then, whoa, I wish I had that. And the third thing historians say, how did the early church overtake the Roman culture was they were able to give an intellectual response for their faith that absolutely made sense, right? We've got to get back to that same thing. All right, let's continue on. He talk, he's talking to this guy, if you were here last week, this guy, Mark, he's talking to this guy, Anthony, who's not the Christian. And he just kind of fumbles up there and he says, hey, uh, I just wondered if you ever thought about God. And he says, he died on the cross uh, for your sins. And then that's when it all begins. That, here comes the mockery, okay? Here comes the slander. And the Anthony guy comes back and says, hey, that was a joke. Jesus may have been a good man, but he certainly was misguided. And look at where it got him, uh, uh, he, you know, on, uh, death on the cross, okay? And then we saw last week, well, let's talk about that. Is Jesus just a normal guy? Don't think so. And we dealt with that apologetically. We got equipped with that. Then he goes on and he says, well, hey, he was actually uh, ashamed. He says, I'm really disappointed in you. I, how could you even believe in a, uh, God? I, I, I didn't expect you to throw out logic for an old wives tale, okay? And then we looked at that logically. Uh, is it illogical to believe in God? Absolutely not. Uh, we got all kinds of uh, uh, logical evidence for his existence, okay? And it takes more faith to believe uh, that we came from a rock uh, than it did from the hand of God. All right, now let's continue on there. Towards about two-thirds way down, it says Mark knew he was lost, okay? Now, Mark knew he was lost. And it's like, what? Now, again, this is that defeatist attitude, this, this Mark guy, this Christian. What do you mean you knew he was lost? I mean, first of all, why weren't you equipped to answer the first two? All right? Or here's, a, here's, here's something. Guess what? You know, if somebody asks you a question, it is not illegal to say, you know what? I'm not really sure about that right now, but I'll get back with you. How's that? That's all you got to do. Go home, do your homework, have some fun. Woo! Come back and give them an answer. It's okay. You can do that. But he said, oh, he was lost. Okay? Is what he says here. And, uh, and, but now his pride was wounded. So he said defensively, I, I've read the Bible. And one of the young men at the other side of the table applauded loud enough for all in the dining room to hear, bravo, hey. Anthony took his head, uh, shook his head and replied, you don't take the Bible seriously, do you? The Bible is completely, how many of you have heard this one? Unscientific and out of date, right? Liar, liar, pants on fire. We've seen this verse again. I'm gonna bring it up again because this is one of the biggest lies they continue to repeat. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. 
And uh, let's take a look there. Isaiah, of course, was written by... Isaiah, you're on the ball. Isaiah chapter uh, 40. And uh, here's what he says, verse 21 through 22. And this is awesome. Okay. Now, this is good. Oh, this one, this one. Uh, this is awesome. Now, the, the, the context here is comforting God's people. Did you know what's comforting to know how big, how huge, how awesome, how incredible God is? Because see, when you realize how big and how huge, how incredible, how awesome God is, our problems kind of go like this. Right? And then we realize like, man, if God created the universe and upholds and sustains it all, what in the world am I worried about? I think he could take care of this. And this is what he says. Listen to what he says here. Uh, verse 20, he says, do you not know? Uh, have you not heard? Has it not been told from, uh, to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, God, since enthroned on the square of the earth, because we all know the earth is flat and the church always been teaching that. Oh, I'm sorry, what's it say there? The Bible says the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. Excuse me, what in the world are you worried about? But it says right there, the earth is what? Round. How many times you guys said, oh, the Bible, you really believe that? That's so unscientific. The Bible teaches the earth is flat. No, it doesn't. Read your Bible. Says it right there. But that's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, the Bible teaches the universe had a beginning. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. Do you know how many, it's gotta be billions. It's gotta be billions. You know how many billions of dollars that we have funded, paid for as taxpayers, so the scientists can continue with these experiments? I wonder how it all began. Just because you wanna uh, balk at the Bible. The universe is composed of time, space, matter, and energy, Genesis 1.1, right? In the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, all. I guess you could have just kept reading the first verse there. Uh, no new matter is being created, Genesis 2.2. Uh, 2. The universe is running down. That's the uh, second law of thermodynamics, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, that's uh, uh, Psalm 102. Life only comes from life, okay? Genesis chapter one. That's what somebody had shared with me after our study last week, uh, that the, the classic joke that scientists were beginning to take on God and they says, so God, we don't need you anymore. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to demonstrate that we don't need you because we are going to create our own person. And uh, we're going to uh, challenge you to a test. And God says, sure, let's go for it. And so they go out in the wilderness, whatever, and the scientists gather up a, a, a big thing of dirt uh, to begin their work. And God says, mm -mm -mm -mm. go get your own dirt. <laughs> Man is very good at manipulating already existing materials. But who made the material? God did it, okay. Uh, the Bible says there's a vast number of stars. Jeremiah 33, humans are made from the earth. Genesis chapter two, the hydrologic cycle, Ecclesiastes one. Jet stream circulation, Ecclesiastes one. Air has weight, Job 28. The earth hangs in space, Job 26. Oceans contain springs, uh, Job 38. We didn't find that out until the 1970s. Did you realize that? Okay, and Job's one of the earliest books in the Bible. Uh, there are mountains on the bottom of the ocean floor. Again, that was a recent discovery for us. Jonah talked about that, chapter two. Sea has paths and channels, Psalm chapter eight. Uh, this was actually in the 19th century. Uh, oceanographer guy, Matthew Morey, he discovered that. Uh, Could have just read Psalm eight. Life is in the blood. Uh, we were just watching a program last night. Uh, do you know how George Washington died? He got sick and they bled him because that's what they believe, that there was disease, and if you bled them, and, and then the, the other thing, he says that then what you would do is you would take them to this person, 
okay? And on the outside of their shop, they would have these white and red and white and red, and those were the blood letters. The barber also was the one who uh, bled the people their blood to get rid of the disease. Well, he died from that, okay? And oops, uh, what, well, it should have just read Leviticus 17. Oh, sorry, the life is in the blood. You don't want to do that. You don't want to lose your blood, okay? Uh, sexual promiscuity is dangerous to your health. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Disease can be spread by physical contact. You need to quarantine, Leviticus 13. When dealing with disease, closed body should be washed with running water. Is very critical. That's actually a recent medical discovery, believe it or not. In fact, the guy, this is trippy, man. I don't know if you've heard of this, but the guy who actually, if you will, invented, uh, realized, uh, again, you could have read Leviticus 15, okay? But uh, there was the, the birth rate for mothers, the survival rate of mothers giving birth back when hospitals were getting started was absolutely atrocious, okay? Well, he just decided, because they would literally give, you know, the baby, here it comes, with all the, and then we go to the next one. Well, now they're getting that in, right? And so the ladies were dropping like flies, right? He just figured, well, how about if we wash our hands before we go to the next procedure? Did you know they actually fired that guy and he actually ended up in, an, in they put him in an insane asylum? True story, kid you not. Can you believe that? It, it, you could have just read Leviticus 15. Running water keeps things uh, clean. Sanitation, Deuteronomy 23. Uh, atomic fission, 2 Peter chapter 3. Light can be divided, Job 38. Light travels in a path, Job 38. Creation is made from invisible particles. We call them atoms. That was in Hebrews 11. Uh, vast uh, 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 fossil deposits on the earth. You know, if there really was a worldwide flood, let's use some logic tonight. You would expect to find billions and billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world. Hey, guess what we find? Billions and billions of dead things buried in rock layers all over the world. That's interesting. That's Genesis 7. Uh, mankind's created from one blood, Acts 17. Uh, genetic mixing of different seeds is forbidden by God. Don't do that. That's a hot topic with the GMO stuff, right? Leviticus 19, don't want to tamper with that stuff. You're going to mess up your food supply, God says. Oops, I guess we don't want to listen to him. Pest control, how to handle it effectively, Lude, uh, Leviticus 25. God has given leaves of the trees uh, for medicine, Ezekiel 47. Olive oil and wine useful on wounds, Luke chapter 10. Listen to this, laughter promotes physical healing. Proverbs uh, 1722, recent studies confirm what King Solomon was inspired to write uh, 3,000 years ago. Quote, a merry heart does good like medicine. It's now known that laughter reduces levels of certain stress hormones, which helps bring about balance to our immune system. And this helps your body to fight off disease. For, uh, that's right. So for our health tonight, folks, please repeat after me. I will always laugh at Pastor Billy's corny jokes. Ready, go. I can't believe you guys actually even did that. Uh, don't you feel better? Yeah, your liver's jiggling. It's, you're feeling great tonight. That's right. Can you believe that? Hey, Ke I'm serious. I really need your assistance this Sunday because, man, this one's going to give George and the Dragon a run for the money. If you guys remember that one, that was a dark day. Uh, but anyway, that's right. That's the opening joke. Uh, but anyway, but as you can see, excuse me, and that's the, we can go on and on. There was actually one uh, uh, research paper that uh, I've got on file, 101 reasons scientific reasons. That's just, a, what, I don't know, 20 I did read there or something like that. Okay, the Bible is not an unscientific book. Now, wouldn't that be neat to just share a couple of those with that guy? As soon as he came back with this, all this mocking going on, wouldn't that be awesome to just share a couple of those things? Oh, I'm sorry, what, did, did you say the Bible teaches the earth is flat? Hey, I just happen to have a Bible with me. Could, could you, and don't even quote it, could, could, could you read that for me? What's that say? 
What's that say? Wouldn't that have been awesome? Wouldn't that have just shut it up right there? And again, it's not just winning a debate. It's like, oh. Because again, what we saw last week, what I've learned, this is what I used to do before I was a Christian. You think that these are your own intelligent thoughts, your own reasonings that you've based on years of your own intelligence and surmising of all of life and everything. No, it's not. You're just parroting what the media wants you to think. Okay? Including about Christianity and about the Bible. Let's continue on. He says the only people who use the Bible are either very naive or uh, they, they use the Bible to prey on the ignorance of superstition of others. That's actually a Freudian thought. Okay? Who, by the way, was an atheist, a cocaine addict, and promoter of cocaine. Okay? And his buddy Carl Jung was involved in the occult, did seances, got his secular psychology teachings from a demon called Philemon. Right? We've talked about that several times before. And I'm going to listen to you. But that's where that concept came from, from Freud. The idea of God was made up by our forefathers to cope with life. Right? And so that's what. And you could bring that out too. Uh, Mark opened his mouth to reply. But as he glanced around, he saw all eyes on him as if the entire student body were waiting breathlessly for him to stick his foot in his mouth again. Now again, stop right there. How defeatist is that? I mean, really, this, and again, I don't know, and maybe he did this on purpose to kind of leave this kind of in the mouth. But I hope this is not the typical Christian response. And if it is, we better get back to what Peter said. We need to get back to that word always, not sometimes, not just when you get in a jam, not just for those who like those intellectual arguments. Every Christian, you need to do your homework. You need to be able to give a defense, man, for these kind of questions. Because you know what? These are great questions. This is, this, is a, this is a rational thinking person question. You need to do your homework, okay? And that's what he says. Let's continue on. And so he glanced around there and, and uh, he, he could see sheer delight on a number of faces as they watched him squirm in the seat. And then a bell rang and the spell was broken. Anthony left without his usual, see you later. And many others looked pointedly in Mark's direction. And no, no. Is this a word? Sniggered. Have you seen it? I've heard of snickered and I've heard of chiggers. How many of you guys know what chiggers are? from the Midwest. Them little things, man, they're like invisible demons, aren't they? They are, man. You're out there, man. You, and hey, praise God for tube socks. They weren't just cool for the 80s, man. Those were lifesavers back in the Midwest, if you know what chiggers are. <laughs> Your only sign of defense. So, but, uh, uh, but anyway, I thought, what's a snigger? Anyway, whatever. As they left the dining room, Mark felt that uh, his best option would be to change. Listen, listen to how defeated this is to change his identity and leave the country. <laughs> Are you serious? That's a sad state of affairs that we would actually leave an encounter like that. Like that as a Christian. You know what really got me? To, uh, actually, it was in the dedication of the, the first apologetic book that I wrote. And I wrote it uh, based on an experience I had with my brother. I was, I was a Christian about six months old in the Lord. And uh, my brother Jim, he asked me, I would say, you know, I was, I was getting into the creation stuff. And uh, he, he was, uh, uh, I was getting loaded up with that. And then he just came back with a good logical question. And he says, uh, uh, where, where does that appear in the Bible? Yeah, on a particular point. And I couldn't find it right away. Couldn't find it. I just felt like a goober, right? Especially with my older brother, Right? And uh, I, I literally, I remember going home from his apartment that day as a brand new spanking Christian. The information I had was right, but I couldn't defend it, right? And uh, I realized that, and I said this to God in the car. I says, God, I trust my professors and I know they're not lying to me. And I know this information is accurate that I'm trying to share. 
I, but here's the word that came out of my mouth. I says, but I don't want to be a copycat Christian. I don't want to just repeat what somebody else is telling me I need to say. I want to know it from all angles. I want to know why. I want to know coming in from this side. I want to come from this side. If they ask me over here with this way, whatever, and then begin a passion uh, to be able to discover. And guys, I'm telling you, we need to do that for a culture today. We live in an anti, not just skeptic, an anti-Christian culture. And they got these questions and we are doing ourselves and dare I say our Lord, our master Jesus, a disservice for not being equipped like he said we always need to be. So is Anthony right? Was Jesus misguided? Did his disciples cook up the resurrection story uh, just to follow him, uh, to justify their following him? Does it take throwing out our logic to believe in God, to put our faith in his son? Is the Bible out of date and unscientific? Are we Christians that uh, believe in the Bible, naive, praying on the ignorance of superstitious, uh, uh, superstition of others? Actually, these are all excellent questions, Tom. Uh, and we're going to answer them in this lesson. And we're going to see far from destroying the faith that we hold, they actually show how logical, underline that, the Christian faith is and how much it is based on clear and undeniable facts. Okay, facts. You're giving me some scientific facts. In fact, the Christian faith is the most logical belief system worldview that exists when all the facts are taken into account. You want to see that one easy example of that? Let's go back to that issue that we saw in our text, a suffering Christianity to me is the only one that gives a logical, uh, uh, satisfactory, emotionally satisfactory uh, a response for the origin of evil. Right? Ask the atheists. Why do we have evil? Mm, we're, just, we're just bags of protoplasm. Dancing, this was some of the words, dancing with our DNA. Really? That's your answer as to why there's atrocities on the planet. That's not very satisfying. Hindu person, believe in karma, reincarnation. What's, what's, what's suffering? Oh, in fact, this is why uh, we will not help the person who's crippled on the road and dying and starving. Because don't you realize that that's their karma that they're working off? And if I were to interfere and help them out and alleviate their suffering, it's just going to make it worse for them. They're going to have to go through it again. Versus, you know what? God made this place perfect. Okay, but he gave man the ability to make a choice. Okay. And, uh, but, uh, uh, because he wanted a relationship with him. But here comes the devil. Okay, where is the origin of evil? And he messed it up, but praise God, right after that, Genesis 3.15, God said, one day I'm gonna fix it for you. Okay, and if you would just come to me as an act of love and grace and mercy and receive my love and grace and mercy, uh, I'll forgive you and you can have a relationship with me forever. That's where evil came from. It's not God's fault. And it's not gonna be this way forever. This is what we're studying in Bible prophecy. It's not gonna be this way forever. The end of this baloney is coming to an end. Isn't that awesome? That's exciting news. And then we're going to be in a place beyond the wildest dreams. Hey, that's much better than saying, sorry, can't help you. You're working off your karma. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it just must be. I'm sorry. That guy's bag of DNA that he's dancing with, unfortunately, ran into your bag of DNA you're dancing with. Sorry. Christianity is the only one that's logically uh, can defend. All right. Now, are the scriptures reliable? The Bible, hello, is unique. Okay. To look at the uniqueness of the Bible, we're going to draw heavily from Josh McDowell. And it's a book, uh, Evidence That Demands a uh, Verdict. You need to get that. Uh, they're going to quote this guy, Mr. Williams. He's a professor. He spent 42 years studying Eastern books. And here's what he said, comparing it to the Bible. He says, pile them, if you will, on the left side of your study table. But place your own Holy Bible on the right side, all by itself, all alone. And with a wide gap between them. For there is a gulf. Hey, we actually got a blank. There is a gulf between him and the so-called sacred books of the East, which 
uh, severs one from the other utterly, hopelessly, and forever. A veritable gulf which cannot be bridged over any science of religious thought. Okay, and he goes on and shares some of these statistics. He says, imagine if you were the general editor of a book and your goal was to produce a book that had great continuity and a common theme and purses, a purpose. That to meet this goal, you would probably want to gather men with similar backgrounds, education, and certainly men with the same culture and language, right? You, you gotta have some like-mindedness going on here if you're gonna produce something that's got unity, right? Logically. In fact, humanly speaking, these criteria would almost be essential to meet your goal of conformity, theme, and purpose. Yet, when you look at the Bible, that ain't the case. And again, this is one of the arguments of why it had to come from God. No man could move up the Bible. And yet that's what people say. It's a book whooped up by man. That's what the guy said, right? I can't believe it. Follow the Bible, huh? Excuse me? Over a period of 1,400 years, that's your first blank there, for, or next blank, 1,400, over 60 generations by 40 plus authors with backgrounds varying from a political leader to a fisherman to a king uh, to a cupbearer, over three continents and three languages, and it covers hundreds of controversial subjects. Life, death, heaven, hell, the beginning, the end, the whole nine yards, marriage, government, everything is all contained in the Bible. And yet, one would expect the Bible to be full of contradictory opinions to show little of any continuity, yet in continuity, theme, purpose, it is incredibly uniform. Is your next blank there. Uniform. These facts are amazing. Now, they're really amazing. We're going to close tonight. Uh, when you compare it to other, quote, religious books that are out there, right? Let me just share with you a little bit uh, from the Jehovah's Witnesses. All right? They not only teach that Jesus was the archangel Michael, and that he did not rise from the dead physically, but they say that the Holy Spirit is not alive, but a mere force. And just like the Mormons, they say you have to work uh, your way to heaven. Well, gee whiz, that's Christianity, isn't it? No. Okay, and not at all. Uh, the Bible that they have produced, quote unquote, is called the New World uh, Translation. Uh, their founder was Charles Russell, if you're not familiar with him. And listen to this. He believed that he was the sole channel of communication between God and men. He even referred to himself as God's mouthpiece. And he taught that the churches of Christendom, listen, I'm not making this up, were started by bald-headed men with smoke on their brains. Yes, you can laugh now and feel better. It's medicine, it's medicine. Okay, he thought that if a dog's head were shaped like a man's, the dog could think like a man. Wow. Uh, another person who helped with it uh, was a guy named Johann uh, Graeber. Uh, he was a Roman Catholic and he married uh, himself to a lady who was a medium, okay? And uh, he believed that uh, the reason why that uh, he could, with her help, have a more accurate way of coming up with their version, with the spirit medium. That's a demon, okay? Uh, and then uh, they knew that he was involved in the occult. Fred Franz, he was the president. He uh, did a lot of the uh, translation work. He was neither a Hebrew nor a Greek scholar. He only had two years of college. And uh, another guy who was involved in it was George Genghis. Um, and uh, he said that his experience for biblical languages, supposedly their translation. He says he had none and he confessed it and told me that before he came to the Jehovah's Witnesses, he was a short order cook in Columbus, Ohio. That's their experts providing a better translation, a new world translation. Excuse me, I'm going to trust that? I don't think so. That doesn't hold up to what we see in the Bible. Okay, let me give you another one. Uh, this one I, I need to kick because I think we're ill-equipped on this one, guys. We're getting schnookered in the Christian community. Seventh-day Adventists. It's not Christianity, folks. Okay, it is not Christianity. Okay, Seventh-day Adventists also believe that Jesus is the archangel Michael. Why? Because they're an offshoot from Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, if you study and do your homework. 
Uh, they say that our sins will ultimately be placed on Satan, not Jesus on the cross. They say that hell is not eternal, that the soul is not immortal. Worshiping on Sunday, like what we do, they believe is the sign of the mark of the beast. They have a version of the Bible called the Clear Word Bible. And the only thing clear about it is, hello, it did not come from God. Okay, uh, and uh, basically, uh, it was, their founder was a lady named Ellen G. White, if you're not familiar with her. And uh, she was hit on the head with a rock at the age of nine. She remained unconscious for three weeks. She was unable to attend school following that incident. So her education ceased at the third grade level and both her health and her emotions remained fragile as she grew older. But she said that she had the spirit of prophecy. And so she claimed to be the visible authority figure uh, for the original group of the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, her writings became 17 times as large as the entire actual Bible. Her followers referenced her 5,000 articles, 49 books, 55,000 manuscript pages that she claimed uh, to be inspired of God. Now, listen to what she uh, wrote. Now, um, she claimed in a vision that she traveled with wings to various places, various planets, which were full of inhabitants. She reported meeting Enoch on a distant planet during one of her journeys. Other times she saw angels using golden gate passes to go in and out of heaven. I wonder if they use RFID. Yeah, anyway. Despite uh, the unbiblical nature of her visions, uh, they not only hide the more embarrassing ones, but they insert her actual writings into their copy of the Bible. On par with the rest of the Bible. Okay. Now, but she's got, she's got some really weird ones. Uh, she, she not only denied Orthodox Christian doctrine, uh, not only uh, false teachings, but she believed that certain races today, listen to this, okay, uh, are the result of sexual relations between man and animal, and she called that process amalgamations. She's talking about the black African people. That the reason why we have black African people today is the result uh, between man and animal. Excuse me? And you're, you're going to quote this lady and you're going to put that in your so-called Bible called the clear word Bible? I don't think so. One more and we'll close. Mormons. Somebody's doing a brilliant PR job on these guys because a lot of people think that they're Christian. I'm sorry, they're not. Okay, period. Ipso facto. Okay. Uh, Mormonism teaches that uh, trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who were once human like us. Hey, that sounds like the lie of Genesis chapter three. You will be like God. Well, Mormons teach it, folks. The lie from Satan. Um, they believe that uh, long ago on one of these planets uh, to an unidentified God and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. Now that's ridiculous. Elohim uh, is the Hebrew word, it's the plural word, word that's used in Genesis uh, 124 when it says, and let God, God said, let us make man in our image. Us? Who's us? That's Elohim. That's the Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay. They, they just picked it out randomly and says, no, that's, that's one of these gods. Okay. And they believe that uh, Elohim is their heavenly father and he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Kolob. Not making it up, this is what they teach. Uh, here the God of Mormonism and his wives through endless celestial sex produce millions of spirit children. And see, that's the reward for these guys when they go on their two-year bike tour and they get into the Mormon priesthood. Now, first of all, there's three kingdoms. The celestial, you know, when, if you want to get to the top kingdom, you got to go on your bike tour, you got to do a missionary for a couple of years, and you got to go through the Mormon uh, priesthood and do all these secret handshakes and, and have a secret uh, name, which is not secret. He ripped them off from Freemasonry, which is also not Christian. Okay, George Joseph Smith did. Okay, there's nothing secret about it. 
Okay, but if you do that, then you get to the top kingdom. And your reward is, as a Mormon uh, high priest guy, uh, is uh, at the day of resurrection, uh, then, uh, by the way, your wife will not be resurrected unless you call her name out. Okay, and then that's going to be another thing that actually is being used against the woman. He says, hey, you better do what I say because I have to call your name out the resurrection because I resurrect first. Hold on just a second. Okay, and, uh, and so, but uh, what they'll do is they'll continue on with that. And, uh, but your reward supposedly is that uh, you will become a god yourself and your wife a goddess, okay? And then again, the lady's reward apparently is to forever be, be pregnant and populating your own planet. And it, it, that's exactly what they teach, okay? But let's continue on. Uh, they deny, of course, the virgin birth. They say that uh, that was uh, a Mormon God come down uh, with Mary uh, producing that. Uh, they believe that Jesus, when he grew into manhood, that he had at least three wives, Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. And through these wives, uh, uh, the Mormon Jesus, uh, whom Joseph Smith claimed to be a direct descendant of, uh, supposedly fathered another number of children that Jesus had kids to uh, before he was uh, crucified. How in the world can somebody say that that is Christian? That is absolutely, with all due respect, insane. Okay? Uh, it, and just we could go into the archaeological thing you know just the Bible when the Bible mentions weaponry when the Bible mentions coinage when the Bible mentions uh, cities and places and we find that 100% of the time every time in archaeology you know how much we find of Mormons they mention metallurgy they talk about weapons of war they talk about major battles crops and culture the use of linen and silk animals and DNA you know how much we find evidence zero one of their battles supposedly took place that involved a couple million people on a hill in New York, wasn't too far where I used to pastor. I mean, that's a lot of people on this hill. The Hill of Camorra, I think it's called. Millions, and a huge battle involving millions, not hundreds, not thousands, millions. You know how much battle weaponry, anything of anything of any kind of a battle that is found anywhere there? Zero. It's all made up. There's no evidence for it, okay? And this is what you say. When, when people sit there and they make these comments, oh, the Bible is just some other book whipped up by man to manipulate. There's nothing special about the Bible. There's nothing unique about the Bible. It's just like, here's another one. They'll either downgrade the Bible or they'll say, well, it's just like one of the other religious books on the planet. No, it's not. The Bible written over 1,400 years, 60 generations, 40 different authors, three continents, three languages, and it covers all kinds of controversial subjects and it's completely uniform. No book on the planet is like that. Wouldn't that be nice to have in your pocket and just share the next time that God calls upon you, Christian, and I, to give a defense for the hope? It's all there for the taken if we would just take God at his word and always be prepared. And it's okay if you're not. Just start today getting prepared so that we can give that defense. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. 
He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. 
God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.